had the privilege of it being in two parts. I was there in 2015 in Copenhagen when the whole thing seemed to fall apart, although I believe it wasn't quite as bad as, um, as everybody said, progress was made. And I was in Paris for um, a little bit of the uh, 20, uh, 2015 COP, although I wasn't actually um, in the negotiation place as I was previously. Um, and so just a couple of thoughts on that. Um, it is a mad process. Uh, it's not really how you would run the world. The, uh, there are very, you've got 195 countries um, speaking. Everybody gets a very short time to speak. Uh, it's it's a, it's a circus. There's as well as the, the negotiators and the governments, there'll be rooms full of people selling perpetual motion machines and um, their ways of uh, reducing carbon and so on. So there's a, there's a big sort of trade fair aspect to it. And it, it's absolutely enormous. We're expecting, I think, 35,000 people here next year. Um, I believe the Glasgow City Council is basically already booked all the hotels. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's phenomenal. Um, and it, it really is quite extraordinary. The, um, there are lots of side uh, negotiations going along at the same time. So they're, they're sorting out a little bit of tech, which then goes to a plenary um, in the evening or something like that. So it's a very slow and involved process. But at the same time, there's a whole series of what they call side events, where there are research institutes and NGOs and others presenting what they do and talking about how what they're working on and so on. Um, and you can actually spend the whole uh, two weeks attending side events and uh, learning a lot there um, without ever being anywhere near the negotiations. And actually, if you don't have the right color class, you won't get anywhere near the negotiations. But actually, the side events are quite important and quite valuable. I'm going to slow down a minute and say that if you are really interested in this, I would really recommend that you sign up to the Earth Negotiations Bulletin, which is a... a sort of properly written um, uh, summary uh, of all the um, environmental treaties uh, that are all the negotiations going on all around the world. And at the end of the COP, and there'll be one at the end of this COP, uh, they do a daily briefing on what's happened, which is very technical. There's a little bit at the end called in the corridors, which tells you how it feels and what people are thinking and talking about. But at the end of the COP, there's a really useful summary and analysis that they'll send out which has a history of the whole process of all the negotiations from the beginning and gives a, an analysis of the meeting and what happened and then um, there's a political analysis. It's a really, really useful and well-written documentation of the top process. So I would totally recommend that. So, I'm now going to get on to my talk. Um, so this is really, that was my NSC and how this is going to be done. Um, I've been to two cops, as I say, and I've been involved in cultural activity around them. Um, the first one, in, in Copenhagen, I uh, was part of a spiral of engagement, um, which was uh, a thing called Culture Futures. And I've never quite understood what a spiral of engagement was. Um, and it was a thing run by the British Council and various others talking about um, culture's involvement in, in the climate change thing. The second one in Paris, I was involved in ArtCop, which was a, an artistic set of artistic endeavors, um, sort of conference, and then various uh, things happening at the same time as the COP in Paris. And I've got two challenges, three challenges really, that came up from those. Um, one is that 
was really difficult when I attended both of those things to know who it was for. And I, I sort of throw this out to those of you who are thinking about artistic engagement with pop um, to, to think about. These are not, I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm just doing things about these things. Um, it seemed to me when I was in both uh, Copenhagen and Paris that a lot of artists talking to each other and actually the, the real party was happening along the road. And I think it's quite challenging, quite difficult to work out where we fit in on the art side to what is a very technical negotiation uh, going on where people are negotiating for their, their lives, their futures, their homes and what have you. So I think there's a really difficult question that we have to answer there um, to think about to think if we're going to make our um, and my second one really is how to engage with, if you're thinking about engaging with the public. Well, I suppose that the point is that most of those people who are coming to the top professionally, they've got plenty to do. They're, they're, they're working hard, negotiating or selling their perpetual motion machines or whatever it may be. And, and actually, in my experience, they don't have much notice of the arts stuff. The second bit, particularly in the, uh, the Paris event, was seeking to engage the public. And I think that was equally hard, certainly in a place the size of Paris. I was, there were things going on, there was the Olafarellis and icebergs and so on, but to me, they seemed to be quite disconnected from the COP. And one of the challenges there, I think, is how to make sure if you're making work and wanting to connect up with the COP, how to make really clear that not only that there's a a connection that the, the audience, the, the viewer, whatever, can make with it, but also what they can do. Because I think it's really difficult to influence the cop during the cop. Because really an awful lot of the work has been done during the week. It's, a, it's the finals, the, it's the signing of the dotted line, it's the detail, and they're closeted away in a, in a room, and they're doing it for political reasons and what have you. So I think there's a real challenge there to work out what your who you're engaging with and what your aim is. And the third challenge I've got is really practical, which is that I think Glasgow will be in lockdown for the second week of the COP. And there's going to be an awful lot of other activity going on. Even in the first week, there's, uh, there's the COP itself, which will be over in um, the SEC. Uh, there'll be um, protests going on in George Square, which has already been annotated to protests there. Um, and they've been kept a long way apart after Copenhagen, let me tell you. Um, and uh, there'll also be Christmas shopping and all those other things that are going on. And so it's quite difficult to find where the art goes and has an effect on the public. So I think it's really worth thinking about that. I'm not completely gloomy, um, but what I would, one thing I wonder is whether the work that needs to happen whether a better place to focus your time and energy is in the run-up to the top, so that actually the public is more aware and clear about what's going on, so that those who want to can go and protest, those who want to can do their Christmas shopping or whatever, that actually they become aware and they're, they're thinking through the top, um, they're, they're, they're aware about it and what the implications are, and indeed what the possibilities for creating engagement with this whole process are. Because the process never stops, the top is just a uh, punctuation mark every year. Um, and there is a thing that's worth saying, um, if you've got your notebook out, there's a thing called Season for Change, which is being run by uh, Julie's Bicycle and um, I think, uh, in London, 
Um, and they are seeking funding at the moment from Alzheimer's and I think from Scotland uh, to, to run a whole series of events um, and op opportunities and activities um, between about June and December next year. Um, so season, take, take a look at Seasons of Change um, and consider whether it's something you want to be part of. Um, and that comes to where Creative Carbon Scotland fits into this, um, because there are some people here, I can see them, um, who took part in the thing we did uh, back in 2015 called Arcom Scotland, uh, where we uh, commissioned some, some works and uh, umbrellaed a whole load of other events. Um, we don't have the capacity to do that again. Uh, so we at Creative Carbon Scotland are not going to be um, making work or running a, a season or a program of events. And there's two reasons that. One, we don't have the capacity, but also um, we see it as our really strong opportunity to talk to policymakers. And actually, more of our work at the moment uh, is around uh, engaging with policymakers and seeking to change policy. Um, and there's a good opportunity for us to do that at the top. So, um, whilst we support and absolutely encourage uh, people who are wanting to make work related to COP or, um, or in some way have creative engagement with COP, um, we won't be able to uh, support you in that and we will be doing something else which is um, probably way better. We don't have an audience, we don't have a public facing um, approach. Um, and that I think is all I want to say except for one last thing is that um, handily about a month before the COP um, we are running our own conference, uh, which is part of our Cultural Adaptations Creative Europe project. And if you don't know about Cultural Adaptations, which is about adaptation for cultural organizations and artists being employed in adaptation projects, <coughs> I recommend you go to culturaladaptations.com and take a look at that, because there's information there about it. Um, we will be running a conference on the 6th, 7th and 8th of October, um, where I think probably, whereas the COP is a, working at national level, um, on the, uh, the cultural adaptations uh, conference, we'll be thinking more about uh, regional local government and what have you. It will be, that's the area we'll be focusing on. Um, and I urge you, whether you're from the climate change side or the uh, creative side, to put that in your diary and try and come along. Okay, so thanks very much. I'm going to hand over now to Chris. Um, for those of you who I don't know, I'm Chris from Mandalore. I am in Art Scotland, one man in a blog, as Ben so kindly put it. Um, <laughs> so, um, very briefly, I want to use the words of Helen Harrison, who sadly died last year, and Newton Harrison, who's still going strong two real pioneers of the, of the idea of art and ecology to provide a bit of a frame for us tonight. The Harrisons want their work to be used so they don't sign it. As artists, they don't sign their work so anybody can pick it up and use it. So I want to offer a couple of key ideas that might help with planning and orientating ourselves. So firstly, the Harrisons say, our work begins when we perceive an anomaly in the environment that is the result of opposing beliefs or contradictory metaphors. Moments when reality no longer appears seamless and the cost of belief has become outrageous 
offer the opportunity to create new spaces first in the mind and thereafter in everyday life. This is where we are now. Although many of us have been addressing the multiple environmental crises in different ways over many years, these crises are clearly breaking through our reality of unremitted growth and the idea is that, that there is an, a way for our race. So, there's been a lot of discussion about urgency and I want to talk, so they, they offer this idea about the breakdown of reality and how to create new ideas. They talk about urgency, the urgency of the moment. At the start of their most successful policy influencing work, the Green Heart of Holland, they talk about the 1200 year history of the landscape of Holland, and they talk about a 10 year moment in which the Dutch had to make a decision about what to do with their green heart, whether to build over it. So it's a 10 year moment. The urgency of the moment was a 10 year decision making process. And we are in a 10 year moment. The IPCC has made it really clear that we have to change a trajectory in, the, in this 10 years. So this 10 years, as Ben said, may be the COP is an event in a 10 year process. Um, and I think it's really important to think about what, you, what we do before the COP, what we do during the COP, and what we do after the COP. Um, so we'll now introduce our first speaker, who is Nick, who is from Stop Climate Chaos, Scotland. Hey, so I really hate public speaking, but we'll go on with this very quickly. Uh, so I think I'm basically just going to try and get everyone up to speed on where wider civil society is organizing around COP26. Uh, so I work for Stop Climate Chaos, which is a, uh, a coalition of about 50 NGOs, trade unions, activists, and stuff like that around Scotland. Previously, I've done most work on sort of policy, inside track lobbying, that kind of stuff. But we are organizing around COP26 in a slightly different way. And probably the most important thing for this conversation is the COP26 Big Coalition, which is a coalition of pretty much everyone that's non-governmental to coordinate around the Glasgow COP. So the biggest takeaway will be go join that coalition and I will leave my notebook on the bar bit and people can put their uh, emails on it. Um, basically, it's broken into a working group structure so uh, it's like fundraising, logistics, comms, obviously the arts is going to have a massive, a massive part of all of that. And the way to coordinate around all these really diverse strands of activity that's going on around COP between all these crazy diverse organisations is to be part of the COP26 coalition. Um, so my actual role within this is I am coordinating kind of logistics with civil society around the COP26. Um, so this is focusing on three areas. 
that I will go through very quickly. So the first is kind of welcome and hosting. So there's going to be probably tens, if not hundreds of people coming to Glasgow from all over the globe for COP, especially this one, which is it's the start of the Paris Accord budget year, uh, sorry, budget um, session. It's going to be a really, really, really important COP to uh, move climate change discussions forward. Um, Uh, so basically we're going to work as hard as we can to create a network of hosting and welcoming so that we can get as many people, especially from frontline uh, areas or places that people who typically have less of a voice in the Eurocentric NGO-dominated COP discussions into Glasgow and hosted and supported with visas and logistics and stuff like that. The second thing, which is probably going to be most important-ish for the in the arts community is we are creating a civil society hub that will form a kind of public facing uh, cop outside of cop um, so it's going to be in around the Charing Cross area currently I'm basically trying to secure venues like CCA, Glasgow School of Arts and the idea is we're going to be creating the space that absolutely anyone can use and it will be uh, focused on inclusivity uh, connecting diverse, marginalised communities from Glasgow and Scotland, uh, people who typically left out of the climate change debate or a conversation with people from areas all over the world. Um, and basically, we're looking to cross these massive divides that exist in the world, in climate justice, in Glasgow, through creating a space where that will have like, social areas where people can meet up and be normal, uh, venues, people to give talks, art installations, workshops, uh, pretty much anything you can think of. Um, and we are looking to coordinate that all through uh, a platform that we're creating. So we're not going to do, like I have, we'll have no like creative or artistic or anything input on this. All we're doing is creating space for other people to connect with audiences and connect with diverse and marginalised uh, groups across the world around climate change in order to create uh, a very strong, expanded, strengthened, diverse, whatever, inclusive climate movement. Um, so obviously, arts and culture will take a massive place in that. Um, and in terms of public engagement and expanding the movement, it, I feel like the artists sharing spaces with people talking about uh, carbon technologies, creating conversations between groups, different groups on the political spectrum of the climate change movement is the way to bring us all together and create a movement that will actually change the world. So thinking about some of the challenges that were mentioned at the start, we have this inside-outside COP challenge, like how does what we do outside affect inside? How, you know, basically it's a uh, it's the US trade delegation that will decide everything because they have all the delegates and all the power. Um, I, think the key, uh, <laughs> I think the key is to create an inclusive movement outside of the COP that we will connect to the inside of the COP through, the, through a kind of, uh, a kind of um, people's um, embassy inside the COP. We'll use our kind of NGO connections to get space inside the COP. Um, and then outside the COP in our civil society hub space, we'll have the People's Summit, we'll have um, 
all these different events and all these different people coming together. Um, and that will feed into the COP. But more importantly, I would say, is we create a broader, more diverse, more inclusive movement. Um, it, basically, the most important thing currently is to get venues and then to get people involved in filling those venues and using their creativity, coordinating with their communities and their networks. Um, so we're creating this website that will basically act like the list. Um, for the whole, for this very specific two-week period, but also for pretty much the entire run-up to COP, building momentum and energy up until it, up into it, people can host their events on it, and we'll connect them with a massive audience. Because, like within our coalition, within the wider coalition, we have a huge audience, people who are already engaged, and we'll be doing outreach for further engagement with the help of the artistic community, focusing on marginalised diverse communities and EM communities around Glasgow and Scotland. Uh, <coughs> arts environmentalism. Best thing, things to take away from this uh, very awful and uh, quick chat is join the COP26 uh, coalition. Uh, put your name on the thing and I'll put you on the email update list for it. Um, the artistic community has a massive role to play in setting the image and the tone and bringing the culture of Glasgow to the forefront of COP26, and that is what is going to be distributed across the world through the awful mass media that uh, dominates the neoliberal globe. And um, I think what's really important is if everyone gets their communities together and works to frontline, uh, sorry, to foreground frontline voices and... Uh, marginalised voices and to bring climate justice and inclusion together, then COP26 will be powerful beyond the discussions within the UN territory, which no one's actually going to get anywhere having any say in anyway. And that's all I think. <laughs> Um, I'm Henrietta, otherwise known as Henry, um, and I am here uh, representing Manchester Science Festival. Um, I do know some other people in the room from my previous life working in uh, theatre, arts, festivals, etc. So um, I'm delighted to be here. Um, but I'm currently a creative producer for Manchester Science Festival, which is organised by the Science and Industry Museum in Manchester which, as some of you will know, is part of the wider Science Museum group, um, which is a, kind of an England-wide um, organisation. But we're not here to talk about borders, we're here to talk about collaboration. Um, so the festival's been going since 2007. Um, it's on a pause right now and has been sort of refocused um, and is going to be relaunched next year in 2020. It's going to become a biennial festival. festival. Um, it's a festival that very much uh, targets audiences who are um, non-science. So I know it says Manchester Science Festival, but it's very much about engaging uh, families, young people, non-science lay people, such as myself, um, uh, and in museum and gallery parlance, low science capital. <laughs> I'm getting really good at this now. Um, so next year, it will become a biennial festival. Um, it will become a festival that happens on even years, um, slightly because, and I know there's Edinburgh people in the room, in the festival world, um, there's the Manchester International Festival, which happens on odd years, and Science and Interest Museum is in the seven-hectare location, <coughs> right in the middle of the city, 
and next door to it is the old Granada studio site, which is where the factory is going up um, layer by layer, tower by tower, as we speak, um, which will be the future home of Manchester International Festival. So this is going to be a massive hub um, in development there, so it makes sense that these two organisations are working with each other. Um, so, biennial, and in October, so nicely leading up to uh, uh, November's COP meeting. Um, the other key factor about the festival is that it's going to be thematically driven. Previously, it's been a very diverse um, and uh, disparate festival across the city. Um, so next year, it will be much more focused on the Science and Industry Museum site, and it will be thematically driven and speak to the urgent issue of the day. You guessed it. Um, so, climate change science is our focus, and the particular take on this, and people have mentioned tone already, is about making this subject um, engaging and real for people. Um, so it will be full of practical activities, engagement, live experiences. We will be bringing um, the, the full force and creativity of art and science together, um, to create a programme with a range of genres and activities, both in the Science and Industry Museum and in key locations across the city centre. We'll be working with partners of all scales, from Ruben Shaw's um, um, Green Farming initiatives all the way through to the universities, um, creative partners across the city. Um, there are significant initiatives that the Manchester City is taking, as the city has got um, it's um, committed to zero carbon in, 20, in 2038. Um, and the Manchester Climate Change Agency is a partnership network working across the city to uh, advance that. So there's a lot of activity, there's a lot of initiatives happening in Manchester. Um, and we're wanting to give space and platform to all of those, um, all of those voices. I'm here today because uh, we really want to um, bring the opportunity to collaborate together. Um, so the festival will be focused around how do we change how we live? And uh, we would like to collaborate with your good selves here in Glasgow because we're all for uh, no single use projects. So <laughs> we want to create work which can potentially start life in Manchester and then come here to Glasgow. It might go the other way around. It doesn't really matter, but let's make work together Let's bring the people's voices of Manchester and Glasgow to be heard. Um, and I'm here, and I've come on the train to lodge this thought in your minds. There's an opportunity for us to work together. I would really love you to come and find me. Um, I'll be here until the end, until we get thrown out. Um, and come and find me. We can talk about projects that we might co-commission, that you have work that could be presented in the festival. There's projects that we're already starting to develop. Um, that might align with something that you're thinking of. So let's collaborate because collaboration is key um, and we can make more noise and make better work if we collaborate. So thank you very much. So the three of us are from Glasgow National Park City Group. Um, we're, we come together to see if we can get the idea of a Glasgow National Park City off the ground. Um, we're all volunteers, we work in environmentally related jobs, but we're committed in this time. Um, 
Does anybody here know about the London National Park City? Has anybody heard of London National Park City? London announced itself as a National Park City in July this year. Um, they have been on a six-year journey to become a National Park City. It's a concept whereby um, we take the idea of a National Park, which is somewhere that values its special qualities for landscape, natural assets and so forth, and why not apply that to a city? Um, in the future, we're all going to be living in cities. That's a sustainable way we're going to have to be. Um, we need the cities to support us and wildlife. So, um, thinking about Glasgow, if we apply the approach of a national park city and we think about all the green spaces, rivers, trees, woodland, gardens, etc., etc., think about it all as one entity um, that we would value, look after, and enjoy together. Uh, and the national park city would not just be about the places, it's also about the people. It's about connecting anyone and everybody who's got an interest or already engaging in making the city greener, wilder and healthier. So, um, about amplifying and supporting their work, whether it's a child growing up, an acorn into a tree on their windowsill, or a massive organisation setting off uh, or setting up uh, a nature park. Um, we're all, it's the idea of we're all in the same boat and pulling together. So for me, I... My background is in environmental sculpture and, uh, and conservation volunteering. I totally believe that uh, people need, so human nature needs land nature in order to have kind of spiritual balance um, for mental health and well-being. Um, and at a time now when we need everybody pulling together and connected and engaged with the environment, um, we think the timing is right for politics. My job is to get the middle which is to kind of talk to you a little bit about why the idea of, a, of Glasgow as a national park city really spoke to me kind of personally. Um, I first heard about it maybe about two years ago, and I'm uh, <coughs> brought up in the countryside. I've lived all of my adult life in the city. And in my city life, I've always sought out the wee wild places. So whether it's a, a little corner within a woodland within a, an area of housing, whether it's a river corridor, whether it's the canal, whether it's those larger areas where you can get a view across the city. Uh, those are the places that, that, that I love to be in. Um, and the idea of trying to connect those up um, to become much more than the sum of their parts was an idea that, that, that I connected with. Um, it felt like the right thing to be doing um, for me personally, but it, it I also hope it's an idea that maybe speaks to a wide range of people, uh, but maybe in different ways, and that's absolutely fine. It's an idea that I think can bring people from different diverse backgrounds together. Um, why COP26? Well, COP26 because the city of the future needs to connect the grassroots with the decision makers. And where we are starting with the idea of a national park city is we want to start from the bottom up. We want to bring grassroots organisations together um, to try and push up to influence the decision makers across the city. Um, so I'm going to pass on to Camilo right. to explain the final thought. I don't have very much time, but uh, in general I'm trying to bring an idea that, and I want to get you excited a bit about the idea of the National Park City, because we all have a lot of things we're concerned about and we're trying to see a way that we can make a difference. And in general, I feel that a lot of the things that we're working towards, both in the environmental sector and in the art sector, we're trying to envision a future. 
We're trying to see a vision for the future that includes um, a new way of living, a new way of organizing our cities, organizing our government, of living our lives in a way that's not going to be in, in confrontation with the environment. And I feel that this new city that we're all working towards, because we're all going to be dealing with cities the rest of our lives, that new city that we're working towards needs a collective vision, and it needs a collective name, perhaps. And so what we see this National Park City idea as being is that, that name for the city of the future that we're already working on. So whatever group you're part of, whatever art you're doing, whatever projects you're working on, if we can tie that into a package that we can try to bring to the people in power, we're working on this already. This is the city that we want. This is the city that we're working on. It's a national park city because it's focused on nature. It's looking at how we create a place for people that's working and centered around our relationship with the natural world and putting that first. So if you're interested in getting involved, we're going to be trying to bring this front and center during COP, before COP, and really outside of COP, because it's bigger than that. It's about the city that we want to create. And so please go to glasgownationalparkcity.org. Um, if you want to support us, we're trying to get, gain supporters in all sorts of different groups. If you have ideas to get people excited about this concept and bring them on board, um, find ways to, to get the idea of the National Park City out there, please bring them to us. Contact us on contact us online. Come talk to us, and I think that's the rest of our time. Good evening, everybody. My name is Alexis Summer. I'm a design and communications director, and we've been visiting. We've come up from London today this morning to visit Glasgow to come to this event to talk about the creative climate symposium that we're developing for COP26. So, in a nutshell, the format will be a two-day symposium where we bring scientists, academics, creatives, and designers together to talk about policy and bringing the design dialogue closer to policymakers. So, one of our partners is Julie's Bicycle, and this is based on an event that they did at COP21, which was very much about the visual arts. And for COP26, we want to bring the design narrative so I'm going to hand over to Will to talk a bit more about what So um, I think the thing, obviously, for this evening, and thank you very much for uh, inviting us to be here, is really to make as many connections as possible, because um, we have a, a small but very kind of dedicated um, consortium of people that want to see uh, something effective happen as part of the COP. Um, Alexia and myself come very much from a kind of design background, uh, and we're committed to seeing the design industry really respond to the opportunity of dialogue. And for us, that's not just the industry, but it's also the future of design, the people who are going to have to deal with the climate crisis as it becomes more and more apparent to everyone, both here in this city, and but across the world. So we're hoping to uh, create as many connections this evening, identify the resources that we can uh, possibly master, and to establish something that is of value the people in this room and the people in the city. One, one other thing I'd like to mention, we're, we're talking with Glasgow School of Art, uh, Zero Waste Scotland, um, RSA Scotland, and we're developing a proposal for a design residency work which will probably lead into the symposium, but still to be worked out. So there's quite a few aspects to it, but one of the key things we're looking at is venues. So we've been kind of touring Glasgow today in the weather, 
Looking at various venues, it's been great. <laughs> no, but there's some fantastic venues here, but we're kind of looking at what the opportunities might be. So it'd be interesting to hear from you about kind of what venues you might be interested in suitable. And um, yeah, that's it for the moment. So thank you very much.
SPD or the council um, to make all public transport free during the COP. So that'll be 10 days of public transport to give people a taste of how easy it is to get around without um, having to fumble and buy a ticket for every single thing. Obviously, it will make moving around the city a lot easier during that time. And at 10 days, after 10 days, how will they be able to take it away again? <laughs> I don't know they will. Um, Car Free Glasgow is another project that I've worked on which is about kind of creating a vision for a car free future. So of course once you've got brilliant public transport we don't need um, so many cars. So I've been helping to organise Car Free Day, so World Car Free Day happens on the 22nd of September every year. It was set up in the 90s. We want to do a massive one in 2020, the run up to COP. This is a huge project. If you really would like to get involved, please speak to me because we need as much support as we can get. Maybe we should collaborate with the, with the National um, Park City. Ultimately, we'd like to close the whole motorway between Edinburgh and Glasgow and let people come out. Ultimately, they did this in Germany. They're doing all this stuff in Europe. We are so far behind. Um, and then finally, because I have got some of my um, collaborators in the audience here, um, I'm involved in setting up a renewable energy co-op and called Glasgow Community Energy. And can I just point you out, because Claire and Emma and Callum are at the back there, so if you want to know more about this project, you can speak to them as well. We are a renewable energy co-op. We're going to hopefully, in the next year, 2020, install solar panels onto um, nine public buildings across the city. Um, we're kind of following the footsteps of the Edinburgh Solar Co-op, which was set up in 2015, and will be open for people to join, so you'll be able to invest a small amount of money and join the co-op, so please do do that. And more. <laughs> and finally, back to the art. Um, I've got, I was really inspired by what you said about no single-use projects. I started this project in 2011. Under the mantra, reduce, reuse, recycle your art, I've been touring these climate change signs around the UK for the last 10 years, until basically until they wear out. So next year will be the 10th anniversary. The signs have been in different locations since 2011. I would like to bring them all back together in Glasgow for COP. So maybe at the hub that Nick was talking about, maybe somewhere else, but if you'd like to help, to do this in November um, 2020, then also come see me. Thank you very much. Hello, just very quickly, because I know everyone's getting a bit tired, but um, we're, I'm Sarah Jane Foster from RSPB Scotland, and we've been working across Glasgow uh, for the last seven years in the Giving Nature Home in Glasgow project. And we're really keen to, um, we've got obviously a partnership with the Art Gallery and the Council of Art Gallery Museums. And we're hopefully going to sort of use this year to really sort of focus all our work around, um, around COP. Um, so what we're sort of planning to do is sort of do sort of a series of events in the run up to COP. Um, really sort of highlight um, what, uh, sort of focus what we're doing with communities, but also do events. So we've, we're planning events. Um, for British Science Week in March, and uh, we're sort of trying to link in with other partners. So it's really interesting what you're saying with the with the museums because we're actually involved in a sort of network as a part of the Natural History Museums Network of Real World Science, and that's supposed lots of different networks of museums across the country. But we're really looking to to engage partners in these events as well. So British Science Week, we're hoping to sort of do some sort of 
collaborative art project to sort of get artists to work with communities to sort of get sort of, um, sort of litter and things like that to make an art project and that will be in Calvin Grove Art Gallery Museum hopefully that's what we're doing uh, doing then and that's sort of the beginning of March um, we're involved in the City Nature Challenge because we don't just have a climate crisis we have a biodiversity crisis as well I don't know if anyone has seen the State of Nature report but it's fairly fairly damning so we're really trying to sort of look at our urban biodiversity and Glasgow's taking part in um, the City Nature Challenge which is an international um, competition to uh, record as many species within our urban environment as possible and we're hopefully going to compete against across the cities across the world to show that Glasgow in the year of COP is a really sort of biodiverse city because we are a city of a huge amount of green spaces. Um, so that's going to be um, in the end of April. So anyone who wants to get involved, we're really looking for partners and communities to get involved in that as well. Um, we're also hopefully... Um, we're speaking to the science center tonight, um, but we're looking at to do to repeat a sort of um, youth conference at the end of, um, sort of around sort of October time. Uh, last year we did a, a youth conference um, that was all about Glasgow schools and looking at the next thirty years of Glasgow's green spaces. And instead of getting sort of planners and conservationists and adults who talk about the same things all over all over again, the same um, all the time, and don't actually. <laughs> look at, I haven't actually achieved anything yet, uh, well, 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 we have, but you know, we can do more, um, and we're so, we all got young people, so people from across our city, um, young people from communities across our city, and uh, they got, we got them in a room, and they did presentations about the things that they had done, and the things that were so inspiring, and we, we really want to just sort of, um, sort of use that and sort of expand on that, because um, actually at the end of it, we got them to sort of redesign their communities, how can their communities be better for people, but also for nature? And how can you sort of link the communities together? And it was really, really powerful what the, the young people actually achieved in that. So I think if we look, look at it bigger, and that was only 100 children, but if we can look sort of, uh, get sort of a wider approach, then that would be really powerful as well. So um, yes, if anyone wants to, to sort of get in touch and get involved in that, that would be fantastic. So thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, my name's Brendan Hill and I've got a foot in both the sustainability and the creative camps, but I'm here to tell you very briefly about two things, one of which is definitely going to happen and one of which could happen. Um, you, most of you will be probably familiar with that graphic. Have I got it the wrong way around? <laughs> the red's supposed to be in there, that's right. Okay, so the guy who designed that is called is a climatologist called Professor Ed Hawkins at Reading University. Um, I set up last year and run the Edinburgh Data Visualisation Meetup Group. Um, and next year we're intending to run a conference just before COP26 on data visualisation, which is not just pure graphic arts, it's visualising the data. So it will be partly academic, but also you know, open more widely and so on. That's definitely going to happen, and we're going to have um, an associated exhibition um, and I've already started sort of trying to find artists uh, for that. And please, if you have any interest in what I'm saying now, get in touch with me, uh, talk to me afterwards, or um, you know, find Edinburgh Data Visualisation Meetup Group on meetup.com. Uh, but that exhibition um, I've, I've got in mind, for instance, uh, I've seen people have done uh, jumpers with that graphic, you know, that kind of thing. I'm talking to the Tapestry Centre in Edinburgh about potentially creating a big tapestry of it, or things like it and so on. And that exhibition could potentially be a touring exhibition around Britain perhaps beforehand. So that's, that's def almost certain to happen. 
The other thing has been suggested and could happen. I'm very conscious that um, a lot of the pro there'll be huge protests and numbers on the streets and so on in Glasgow, but really probably pretty highly politicised. Um, and yes, there is a little bit of Edinburgh feeling left out in this. Uh, a city that likes its reputation for creativity and so on. So there's been a, there's a group of us talking about potentially setting up um, an open-air theatrical um, you know, performance of a story, basically. And if you think of the reference points, if you know the Beltane uh, celebrations, if you ever went to any of the um, sound and light shows opening the Edinburgh Festival, the, um, the one called Deep Time on the uh, Castle Rock, uh, an hour of specially composed music and so on. Absolutely fantastic. And also the Olympic opening ceremony. Obviously, we can't dream of that scale, but something that articulates for ordinary people the crisis we're in. Obviously, there's a, there's a kind of side current from that into putting the pressure on the politicians. But there's a group of us would really like something like that to happen. And I think, I, I know some of you might think it should happen in Glasgow, but you know, that climate graphic could be projected very, very nicely onto Salisbury Crags, if you know it's the perfect state. <laughs> so if you've got any interest in that, uh, also get in touch with me. Thank you very much.